Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on a beautiful day in February. I look to my right, and lo and behold, it's the angry one. Doug Tonus, how you doing, brother? You just called me the angry one? Yes, I mean, you've seen all the feedback we've been getting about these last few shows where I've become the mild-mannered, thoughtful one in my in my old age, and you've become more angry and passionate and fit to bouts of hyperbole and anger, you know, all that stuff. What, do you, what say you to that response? <laughs> I say that uh, after the last game where Io just played lights out and was amazing, that uh, I'm not surprised with a good mood. It was, it was a great, I know he's your favorite bull. Like, I mean, I don't mean that sarcastic. Well, Kobe White's up there too, but bull. yeah, but yeah, I go yeah, I mean, like, like way back. I'm not saying you think I was the best. I just said, I think he's your favorite. Anyway, whatever. So either way, I knew you'd be in a good mood with Io coming off a, an amazing game, a game that was key to our victory in a pretty key game, like for our you know, whatever playing hopes, however much you want to think about those. It was a, a key victory for those. And yeah, so it's it's, it's better to record today than, than two days ago. Well, Doug, there's no doubt. I'm Josh Kitty, excuse me, just Kitty, about Io's continued development. 29 points, 12 and 18 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3. As I said in on, on X uh, earlier, he's hit more threes in the last two games. I think he's, what, 10 of just 10 of 14 or some insane number than other guards and uh, more celebrated guards in that draft will hit in a month. So he's progressing on both ends of the floor. He's already a fantastic defender, in my opinion, as a perimeter defender. It's understated. You know, Kobe White has absolutely progressed to greatness this year. Kobe, I mean, uh, Io is just a step below that. But I am so excited with the thought of seeing these two guys for the next few years on real value contracts. And their development should give everyone listening to the show hope that there is hope here, that we can overcome the losses of like Zach Levine making a ton of money and not bringing it, and also Lonzo, uh, because we're seeing just great production and great play from these two young guards. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about Io and Kobe White, these two quality players. Uh, are they lead you to a title quality players? No. But it's nice that maybe six months ago, when we were looking at this roster, we would say, you really don't have much of anything except hope that Pat, Io, and Kobe would step up. And, you know, given the amount of time in the league and given their ages and given what they've shown so far, I would say Io and Kobe have stepped up more than you would expect. I mean, maybe not more than you specifically, Fred Pfeiffer, would expect, but more than the data would show is likely for them to step up and more than what most people would expect. So it's been a positive upside surprise for those two guys, and that's about the best thing that could have happened for this team when you think of the years to come is to have upside surprise in your young players who are still going to persist whenever you finally decide to pull the plug on some of these aging players and you know start focusing on these young guys is really the core of your team. I agree with the fact that there are guys who can help you win, there are guys who could be on a championship team and contribute. I don't know that either guy is higher than third in the pecking order on such a team, but I would say you know it kind of feels like maybe teams are moving more towards this 
you know, theory where you've got maybe one superstar, maybe another kind of star, and then depth. Like the big two, big three, and a bunch of scrubs uh, seems to be a way that is kind of declining as a way to build a team. You know, when you look at Nuggets, you've got Jokic, and then after that, you know, Murray is a really good player, but if Murray was like on the Bulls or the Hawks or something, like I don't think people would view him as a superstar. And then after that, you just have like a, a bunch of like good players, you know, that kind of do different things. And that's been true, uh, you know, a team like the Celtics as well. You see the Milwaukee Bucks have kind of moved more towards like big stars with Giannis and Lillard and then not as much depth. And I don't think that's worked for them as well. And so it does seem like, you know, they could be two of those guys. And like the really good players that are on a team, especially because they do seem like two-way players and guys who can both shoot. And so that I think is like really critical, important, you know, for those types of guys. So yeah, I think they're really good players are really good pieces, but you know, the, the trick is always finding the number one, right? And, and I don't think either of those guys solved that riddle. I don't think there was any way we were going to solve that riddle, you know, this season. So, you know, it's fine. It's not a, not not something negative about those guys, but just a statement of you know where we are going into this. We're still going to be searching for that number one number one option. Can I ask you a question, Fred? Are you as annoyed as me? Are you as annoyed as me about the media continually talking about our best three players as Zach, Demar, and Beach? Like constantly. Like our best player right now is probably Kobe White. If not, he's the second best player. And, like, Alex Caruso is probably in that top three as well. Like, the media needs to move on from viewing these guys as the big three so that, like, all the fans start thinking about, like, you know what, actually, that's that's not really the big three here anymore. And then maybe we can get over some of the sunk cost thinking of, like, we can't move any of these guys. Like, I don't know. I just I just feel like there, like there should be, like, a more accurate narrative of, like, really our best players right now are probably DeMar, Caruso, and Kobe. And then probably in the order of Kobe, DeMar, Caruso, if I had to you know, put a gun to my head. So I, I don't know. I just I just can't stand the narrative that we still talk about it this way. I understand what your point is. Like, I, I don't believe our three best players are the quote-unquote big three anymore. I still think DeMar is a very underrated player. Like, yesterday he had 29 points, three rebounds, five assists, 10 to 17 from the field, 9-11 from the free throw line. He's the one player in his team that always gets to the line, and I, there's tr- just tremendous value in that. I really appreciate that ability of his. He's top 10 in the league in that asset. And, yes, he's taken a step back to, from where he was. I still think he's a very good player, and he's clearly, to me, top one or two on this team. But I would have Kobe, Kobe tomorrow right there, 1-2, one, 1-2, two, one, two, and then I'd have Caruso third. I think Caruso's taking a little bit of a step back lately offensively. Like, he was so hot from three, maybe I'm just imagining this, but it just seems to me like he's not playing at the same level on the offensive end. He's super impactful on the defensive end. But I, it doesn't bother me. I'll just put it that way because I don't really care what the, the press thinks who the best three players are. But I, I do got to say, Doug, Vucevic, who you are just torching with the flamethrower every every show, and, and, right, and rightly, <laughs> rightly so in a lot of these examples, and I've not been a, a proponent of him, but I've, I felt like you forced me into a corner sometimes in defending this guy. I think he's played really well as of late. And yesterday, I thought was arguably his best game of the year, 
24 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 8 of 16 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, which is so important, 7 of 9. He actually got to the free throw line 9 times, which is almost more than he got to the line. I think he got to the line 12 times in the month of January. He's playing better. we got to give him credit for his improved play as of late. I think Marquet never hesitates to call us out for our critical you know, comments on, on – on Vooch, we do have to give him credit, and wouldn't you concur for his play as a plate? So, one, yes, he's played a lot better. I'm not going to even remotely deny that. Two, if you want me to tell you the weather right now, just walk outside. You don't okay. need to. All right, stick my head out the you bus. Just want me to, you just want me to tell you what the weather is. You can all just walk outside. So, yeah, like, like yeah, you want me to tell you Vooch has played really well for five games? Sure. Yes, completely agree. We can look up the last five games. Do you have confidence that because of that five games that Vooch has played well, that now he's going to play well for the next 25 games? Like, because that's really, that's really what we're talking about. So like, do I care if he's played well for five games? I don't. Like, I don't. And, and now if he, if I thought he could play well for 25 games, like if I thought he could shoot 50% from three for the next 25 games, that would really be something. Like if, like the last five games, to put it, I said this on Twitter. He's like a 25 to $30 million a year type player. Like he's played really well. I'm not, you know, so, so yes, completely true. Completely true. Like, but do I have any faith that that's going to be the boot we get for the next, you know, rest of the season, which I think now is 28 games? No, I don't because there's been like a three plus year sample size of us not getting that in five games doesn't change my opinion on that. And if you want it to, well, I'm not going to because I just don't look at things that way and I don't care. So I'm giving you the seven-day forecast. Marquet is walking outside and tell you if it's raining right now. And you you can you can view one of those as valuable, either one, depending. Like, like I don't know. Well, I think no, I'll take, is a I'll lot take more valuable guess. than the other. <laughs> I, I I will. Uh, I always side with you, my good friend, uh, on the bus uh, when you get attacked. And I did defend your honor because it was clear he was talking about. You, I believe, and me to a lesser extent when he said Vucevic last five games, 23.2 points, 11.4 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 49-31-83 splits. I will point out the 31 sucks uh, regardless, but that said, then tonight he goes during the Atlanta game, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, two assists 50-50-78 splits. One and two from three, yes, that's 50%, but again, hardly anything to write home to the, to the parents about. And then he goes, no need for me to point this out, as I'm sure all the detractors will be objective and do so in their own accord, end quote. Well, I'm doing it on my own accord, Mark. And as I stated in on X in a reply, I stated he's played better lately and he's raised his three-point percentage to 27.7%. So, good job. You know, like, yes, he has played better lately, as, as you correctly stated and I stated and Mark stated, but 27.7% for the year is an abomination. And it sucks. And it's the big reason our offense is still ranked 24th. I can't stress enough. I, I sound like a broken record in every show. His shooting is so important for extending the floor. Now your point is he's wide open all the time. He doesn't extend the floor. I agree with you. I do agree with you. But if he can just get back to career average, which is 34%, 35%, I think the Bulls can make some noise in the playoffs. You will laugh at me uh, and others will laugh at me. I really believe – if you're able to pull out a big who's ever assigned to Vucevic and do and create some of these lanes for Kobe and Io and Demar, 
I think the Bulls could win two, three games in, in the first round and uh, really make some noise. What say you? Can I, can I ask you a question about that? Do you think if Vucevic is shooting 34%, that's his career average, from three, that he'll pull anyone out? I do. do you think opposing teams are scared of a center shooting 34% from three? I do. Because there's I don't. a few centers that shoot 34% from three. Yeah, and I just don't think they'll care. They'll just be like, we'll just protect the paint. Be free. Shoot 34% from three. I think we're both in agreement at 27.7%. Nobody's going out there. Like, we're both right. in I'm agreement. I'm just saying, here. the league average on a wide open shot is probably close to 40%. Like, 34% is way below that. I, I think that, that's like yeah, Devontae Green center. shooting a three. That's, it doesn't matter if you're a center, though. Like, it's, it's even actually more likely the center is going to ignore you. Right? Like a guard would be like, well, I'm out here anyway, because I have to guard you on the perimeter. You know, if like, if the threat is actually not dangerous, like it's not going to actually raise the offensive efficiency of the team, you just let it go. Like it's not worth preventing that at a cost to preventing something else. I, I don't think, I don't think the defense is going to react, especially after Vooch having such a poor season shooting. Like I don't think 34% is going to be enough to, to make the defense go, wow, we really need to honor this. Probably. Uh, I, Probably. So, if he raises it to so, 34% I, I, by the end Maybe I'll put it this way. I agree with you if Vooch is good enough, whatever that number is, and maybe we can't define it exactly, and maybe each coach will view things differently, depending on the opposing coach. But I agree with you that if Vooch was a good enough shooter, that he forced the defense to come out and honor his shot, and he pulled the center out of the paint, if he was capable of reaching that number, whatever that number is, then I think it would make a difference for the offense as a whole. Um, I think that number is closer to like 40%. Maybe, it, you know, and given the history of this year, it might even be higher than 40% because they might be like, well, 40%, whatever. He's 27.5% on the year. He just got lucky a few times. So, you know, if he, if he plays well over the, the last 28 games, you know, say he raises his season percentage to like 32%, you know, he's probably got to shoot 38%, 39% to do that. Yeah, then maybe by the playoffs that's good enough. You know, that it's it's balanced out and people start to get a little bit more nervous about it. You know, he has more of these like, yeah, three or four this game, you know, one or three the next game. But like, you know, he hurts teams a couple of times. Yeah, maybe. But, I, you know, like I said, I just, data does not really suggest that he's ever going to be a guy that pulls people out. I think teams are more reluctant to pull their center out to defend that shot because the center is so important to the rest of the defense. Yes. I think you really, really have to be good and shoot a really high percentage before a team is going to be like, you know what, we really do need to commit to getting our center out of the paint and stopping this. Yeah, I think like at a league average percentage, they'll be like, it's more important to keep the guy in the paint and defend the rim. And, you know, we'll see how team how teams react. If I was a coach, though, that's how I would react. If I was facing a center that was shooting 35% from three, I'd be like, all right, well, we'll, we'll live with that. You know, I'll live with that to stop the paint attack. Like, I don't want DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White going nuts on me. I'll live with that. And if Vooch can do what he did this last game, which wasn't a bunch of three-point shooting, but you get to the foul line, you know, hit half his shots, you know, give you some efficient Heck score. Yeah. If he can do that, like, yeah. Vooch is a good player. Like, it, the key with Vooch is he has to give you efficient offense because he's not helping you on defense. And historically, his whole career, he's been below that, that number. He's not been an efficient offensive player. Like, like, 13 years of data shows that. And so if he turns that around, and he, he could turn it around for a stretch in the playoffs, right? Like, he could have a poor season and then just be on fire for four games. And that would be phenomenal and make a huge difference. So it's not like he can't help you. He has so many skills. He just doesn't seem to consistently execute them 
well enough to get what you need. Well and, said. You know, I well hope, said. hope that changes. I hope that changes over the next you know few weeks. The data suggests it probably won't, but I hope it does. You know, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for the guy. I know I make fun of him and I hate on him or whatever. It's not because I want him to fail. It's just because this is this is the reality of what's happened in the past, and I. You know, I always hope he, he can eclipse that reality. It's just at 33, you stop hoping for it. You start thinking this isn't, you know, this isn't the thing. At 23, you think like, yeah, okay, I can see the skills. This guy's going to get iteratively better and better. At 33, not so much. Well said, Doug. Everything I agree with 100% there. I mean, you got efficiency from him yesterday because he got to the free throw line nine times. Made seven of them. I mean, that's something that he doesn't do consistently. So, in general, my viewpoint on NBA players is you got to be able to do one of two things. You either got to be able to shoot or play D. And if you can't do either, you're a real, you're, you're no longer an asset for that team. There's too many guys on this team that can't do either. And he falls into that group. Too often, just too often where yeah. he's not, you know, he'll never play D well, in my opinion. He just doesn't have the physical tools to do it. And he limits what you can do defensively. You can't really trap aggressively. You can't do a lot of things because he's just too slow. So you better bring the efficiency on the offensive end and shoot. And, you know, that's been my big frustration with him. I understand the thinking behind acquiring him. He's a great dude. I want him to do well. And to all his fanatic fans, like, I'm not against Vooch. I want him to do well. He's the key to us doing well. End of story. But tied to this, next question for you. Do you have anything else you want to say or just move on to the next No, I mean, we've beaten it to death. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about I, 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 I love Mark actually giving us a hard time. It's fun. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. I, I give him a hard time back. It's, it's all, it's all fun. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah we're rooting for, rooting for Vooch. As much as I say whatever about him. I hope he proves me wrong, and like I hope all of you on X just give me shit all the time because I'm so wrong. I would love nothing more than to be just a complete idiot about everything I've said, and you know the Bulls to kick ass in the playoffs, the Boots to win, you know, Finals MVP, and uh, you know I'll eat a whole plate of crow while you know watching them raise the trophy. It'd be the best thing ever. Well said. Moving on to the next topic on X, I have another incredible poll. And um, you haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to give it to you. I've not heard it yet. The initial votes, uh, over 230 already in the first few hours that it's been up. I can't (laughs) wait to hear your point. The Bulls have won three of their last four. Four of their last six, despite the absence of P. Will and Zach. They are now number nine in the East, 2.5 games behind the number eight Heat, 3.5 games behind the Pacers and Magic, and two games ahead of the number 10 Hawks. Where do you predict the Bulls will finish at the end of this regular season? So 7th seed or better, 8th seed, ninth seed, 10th seed or worse. What say you, Doug Tonus? Uh, ninth. And that is the number one uh, out of all the listeners, 44.1%. Number two was, believe it or not, 7th seed or better at 23.7, 8th seed at 20.8, and 10th or worse at 11.4. Give your justification for ninth. You just feel like this is where they're going to be. They're, they're pr- firmly well, I mean, in this role. There's a pretty big gap ahead of them and behind them, right? Like, doesn't seem like they're going to fall beneath ten. Atlanta's not exactly killing it. Um, no, no one else besides Atlanta looks like they're going to even try to chase up those teams. Look like they're just going to go into lose mode. So, That's I mean, right. I'd say the absolute floor is ten, and I'd be very surprised if Atlanta passes us. Uh, at the same time, I don't know if you saw my tweet about the remainder remainder of the schedule. I, I believe, and I can find it off the top of my head, but we had 11 games against teams in the top four seeds remaining on the schedule. Uh, that's still the same. 
I want to say it was like six and six against seeds, like five through eight, six, maybe six or seven against the play in, and then like six against uh, the bottom feeders, the tankers. And, you know, so when you look at that and you just say, real simple math, you're going to lose 75% of those 11 games. You're going to win 75% of the bottom tier games. You're going to go like 50 50 against the rest. And, you know, that would put you at a slightly losing record for the rest of the way. Uh, the Bulls have been playing better. If we take their trend into account, maybe you could say they're 500 over the rest of the way. But that still then has them finishing two games under 500, you know, the rest of the way. So, you know, I think the schedule is just their play is much better, but the schedule is against them. Uh, it, it's just got like a rough schedule. And I think that's just going to be tough. It's a 50-50 home split the rest of the way. So it's not like you're going to have a big advantage or disadvantage there one way or the other. I just I just think the schedule is against them too much to make up two games on one of those other teams. Now, maybe if one of them collapses, you never know. The way the Bulls are playing, I don't see them collapsing. But you know, hard to say. We're also with two guys down, like Zach for the season and, and Pat, who knows. The two guys down already. and. You know, Craig just had whatever was going on with his ankle yesterday and he was able to come back, but that looks like it could be a recurring problem. Maybe they're also like one injury away from just like falling off the, the talent gap where you have to start playing like these really minor guys all the time. So they've got some risks there too. Yeah. I, I just, I just see ninth. I just, I just see there's too much against them to think they're going to climb ahead of one of these other teams. So we're one day before Valentine's Day on February 14th, and I want to point out, you know, the importance of what you highlighted because I'm going to give the, the, the I think they play 13 games over the next 30 days till March 14th, and I want to highlight. Let's let's just run through it really quick, okay? They have uh, actually they have the Cavs first it's, it's, tomorrow. No, yeah, what am I talking then, about? Then the Cavs the All Star break. break is this weekend. They're playing All Star this weekend, so yeah. they got the Cavs tomorrow. The first game out of the All Star break. Thursday, February 22nd, they're playing the Celtics. So they got the Cavs, the Celtics, 1-2 and two in the East. Then they got the Pelicans. Then they have the Pistons at home, the Cavs at home, the Bucks, the Kings, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Mavs, the Pacers, the Clippers. Those are their next opponents. All those teams, with the exception of the Pistons, are either, you know, 500 or better, I believe. I don't know what the Jazz are off the top of my head, but those are some really good teams. Playing the Clippers twice, playing the Celtics, playing the Cavs. Like This is a buzzsaw of a schedule for the next 30 days. So I agree with you. Like I'd be happy. Let's see, the Cavs, they got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games until March 14th. They play the Wizards on the 16th at home. I'd be happy if they go seven and six or six and seven. I mean, we should be ecstatic with that type of record because this is one hell of a schedule. What say you? Yeah, I agree with your assessment. I mean, and this is why it's just going to be hard for them to climb out of the hole. And, you know, following that, they've got the Wizards and, and Blazers. And there's the Rockets who are maybe, depending what they do between now and then, maybe fighting for the play and maybe not. You know, but... But you still, you know, down the stretch, you've still got some good teams. It definitely gets a lot easier after that. You know, I think you just got to, I think you just have to survive that. Even if you could win five games over that stretch, I think like, and that doesn't sound great, but even if you could win five games over that stretch, I think you'd have a chance to then, you know, make up some stuff. You got the Wizards a couple of times down the road, like all the easier games that I mentioned, uh, you're going to have down the road. I think they play the Wizards three more times still, you know, after that. So, 
you'll be able to make up some ground after that. You just can't lose 75% of those games. And, you know, it's a real possibility. Like, I mean, how many of those, you're going to be underdogs in maybe 12 of those 13 games. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you, close you, with you've got to find, you got to find a way to win, you know, like five of those games. I think that that's what I would say. And then, and then, yeah, you can beat up on the wizards and some other teams and, and climb back up, but you gotta, you gotta find a way to win five of those games. If you want any hope of trying to move up and, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to really be the tale of the season, you know, and how high they can go. I think it's really going to be made over this, this next stretch against good opponents. Yeah. It's the Jazz. The Jazz are two games under 500. We play them on March 6th away in the Pistons. That's it. Every other team we play until March 14th is over 500. And some of them, and the Clippers, the, and the Celtics and Cavs are, are really freaking good. So we'll see what happens. You know, fingers crossed. Well, maybe out of the Warriors under 500. Let me see. The Warriors are now, uh, da, 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 da. the Warriors are now 26 and 25. So they're over 500. So yeah, two teams out of the next 13. Uh, you know, let's just hope you're right. Five wins would be great. Six would be, you know, uh, let's have a party. Very good. And, and seven would be, let's have a celebration, you know. But even if they yeah, win seven, seven to six, seven you start um, thinking about your yeah. seven or eight seed starts becoming impossible <laughs> if they found seven. Yeah, yeah, but, but keep that in mind. Even if they win seven and next six in this buzzsaw schedule, they're still going to be under five hundred. They're twenty six and twenty eight. So even if you go seven and six in the next thirteen games against great teams, you're going to only still be one under five hundred. So yeah, it's not going to be. It's probably not going to be great for the next thirteen. But you know, hopefully they can stay afloat when five. Six, and then uh, you know keep keep the momentum going. Finally, I did want to. We, we got a few minutes left. I wanted to get your thoughts on um, Patrick Williams and this injury because I'm kind of concerned now. Tell me if I'm panicking too much here. But this injury, there's been very little talked about. Talked about it. Like, what is going on here, and what are your thoughts on this injury with Patrick Williams? Is this something that should keep me up at night? I said this. I wouldn't happen. On my my podcast, which I do one whole time a month, which was I looked into it, and you just look up acute bone edema, and literally that term does not exist except in reference to Patrick Williams's injury. Like every article referencing that term was only his injury. If you look up bone edema, it's basically a bone bruise, and then bone bruise has like a recovery time anywhere from like three months to years. And so I don't know if the acute in that means like it's really not that bad. We caught it early. Uh, but there's not any clarity about it. And I'll note in the press release, they said we're going to evaluate his foot in two weeks. Not he might be ready to come back in two weeks. And I think people kind of misinterpreted that statement. Like they just heard like we'll reevaluate in two weeks. Like, oh, it's not that bad. And maybe it won't be that bad. Like, I just think this is a complete mystery. So the only thing I have is if you look at bone edema, it's like really bad. Like the earliest, the earliest time frame for bone edema is like three months. And again, I don't know if the word acute thrown in there makes it mean something different, but it, it is not a thing that makes me feel real pleasant. And there's not been any meaningful updates on it. And that makes sense given what we were told initially. We're going to look in two weeks and see how things go. But. Uh, since it happened, I've just been bracing myself that Pat's out for the season. Oh boy, that's just Be that's horrible. just sort of my assumption. I mean, like I don't know that that's going to happen. Like 
no one said anything, right? No one said that's a possibility, but just like looking at Bonadima, I'm like, oh wow, that just seems like that could go all season long. Like, like the baseline is all season long. Like the baseline is three months and it can go up to two years. And so this is kind of similar to what they said Lonzo had, which was a, a bone bruise in his knee. And yeah, so I, it's just no idea. Like, I, again, like I, it's, you've been given so little information that you can't really guess, but I look at it like it's, uh, it's, potentially a pretty scary thing and hopefully it just doesn't turn out that way but you know it's, it's not a phrase medically that sounds sounds good when you, when you just play google doctor it doesn't sound good last exercise i want to do with you before we take this bus into the shop uh off the streets of chicago i want to throw out a name of a team and i want to I want you to tell me if there's any chance for this team to represent the eastern conference in the finals i want to get your take on it okay Celtics, favorite. Yes. yes. Cavs. Nine yeah. and one in their last ten. Thirty five yeah, and seven. It's been amazing. Amazing lately. So I guess I have to say yes, even though I, I Yes you do. Me, but I have to say yes. With Donovan Mitchell's record in the playoffs, they absolutely can make the miracle. They have a I ton have of talent. Yes. Very deep team. Bucks. Uh I have serious doubts, but yes. Knicks. Losers of three straight. Yes. Yeah, I could see the Knicks doing it. No, that's a big that's a big miss. They're, they they can't. It's unlikely, uh, uh, super unlikely to me, but I could see it happening. The the Seventy Sixers, no. even if they get Embiid back, are you kidding? I mean, Embiid do you want my back. opinion, or do you just want your? Well, I, well, I'm just curious. I'm shocked <laughs> to hear you say they don't have a chance. I'm just um, shocked to hear. Yeah, you say I mean, this. I guess your reasoning. I guess it's like if. Just, I mean, like with Embiid's injury, like I just, just don't see them staying healthy enough. Embiid is underperforming the playoffs, like or seventy sixers. Maybe I shouldn't blame it on Embiid, but that team is underperforming the playoffs every year. He's already got a knee injury going in. I, I don't know. I just can't see it. I mean, they've never they've never come out, and they're not like going in with like the best they've ever gone in, and they're going to have to win on the road every series they play. Yeah. So no, I, I can't see it. All right, so you're going to say no. I'm going to say yes. So this is where we disagree. We both have four teams though already. Magic. Uh, no for everyone else. Even the Heat? Even the Heat. Okay, interesting. So you, you have disagree. four teams. You, you, I, I think the Heat, yeah. I'll, I'll never bet against them again. Like, I, don't I, mean, think, like, I think it's history, a 1% history chance. says yes, but like, yeah, yeah I, just, I just can't see it this year. Like, I don't believe in heat culture and magic and whatever. Like, I just, I just can't see it this year. They're missing too many pieces now. Uh, I know there's Jimmy's a whole older. thing like they just yeah. don't care about the regular season, but whatever. I just, I just don't see it. I can't, I can't throw away the whole regular season. I can't get myself to get there, even though there's been evidence in the past that maybe I should with Miami specifically. I just, I just can't. I can't see them beating the number one. Like this year, they're going to line up against Boston. Yes. I mean, I guess maybe they'll win in the playoff, play in, and then they'll line up against Cleveland. I could see them up to that Cleveland, I guess. I Absolutely. The reason I did this exercise, so you have four, I have five. I, I think this is the first time probably in 20 years that if we did this exercise, we'd have these many teams with the possibility of representing the Eastern Conference. Maybe I'm wrong in that assessment, but off the top of my head and my back in the napkin math, I think that's true. Now I just want to do really quick before we bring the bus in, Really fast because I'm on a time crunch here. Yeah, yeah. The Western Conference. I'm going to name a team: Timberwolves, number one, thirty-seven and sixteen. I'm going to just say yes to everyone up to uh, 
everyone in the top. Timberwolves, eight. Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets. Got it. Anyone in the top eight, I could just see. God, even even like the Lakers. I could say the Lakers. Lakers. I could absolutely. Almost see. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the West Doug. might really be the top ten. I don't know that I could get myself there with the Pelicans. Might be yes, the only team too. like I can't. I too. can't get there with. But even like the the Warriors at ten, I'm like, yep. I, I mean, you could just see it. You could see them going nuts. Like, so everyone but the Pelicans. Five the straight West. for the Warriors. Five straight wins. That Doug, my my general reason for doing this exercise is this insane? Like, when has this happened? And I agree with you. Everything you said, like the Pelicans is the only team too for me, but they're still freaking great. They're thirty two and twenty two. Yes. Yes. They got they got so many good players. You got Zion. Who knows if Zion goes nuts? Like, but I agree with you. Out of all those teams in the top ten, I would say the Pelicans is the only team that I cannot see representing the Western Conference, and maybe the Kings. I don't think the Kings yeah, have the enough. Kings was my second pick there too. Like, I just it's hard to see the Kings as well. Like, but. but isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That's eight teams, 12 total, you know, from both conferences that are in the running for getting to the finals and winning a title. Next time, let's do who do you think has a chance to win? Win it all. I like this. And by the way, I know you got to go, but I'm going to go with Jim Borland on a question that he emailed just for our fan listening at home. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to ask Jim Borland was was the less bad. I mean, just leave, just leave it out as a sleeper for everyone else. We'll do it next okay, next People time. Be Jim Boylan, I want to call out Jim Boylan be less bad than anyone. Clayton sent us a great question about um, who you think has done a better job in his respective role for Chicago Bulls. Arturis as EVP of basketball ops or Jim Boylan as head coach? Doug just chose uh, Jim Boylan. We'll get to that in the next episode. I'm sure that'll be a, a topic for discussion next time. Really, Great stuff. Thanks, Clayton, for the question. We'll bring that up on the next one. Really a game of would you rather. Like, you know. Yeah. Isn't that classic? Oh, what a great one. I love the one. Clayton, you're the best, brother. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this. I, sometimes I, it amazes me how many people, you know, comment on our stuff and, and email us. I can't thank you enough. I, I actually, in my head, sometimes I think if we actually took a real bus out and just started talking out the window, we'd probably get as many people, you know, listening. But that's not true. There are a lot of people listening to the show and enjoy it. So I can't thank you enough for always downloading and listening to listening to us. I got I to gotta run, DT. Until next time, go Bulls. Go Bulls.